You're listening to the Windbuild Scene Podcast, a podcast focused on evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. I'm your host, Gabriel Menchaca. Thanks for listening. This record as frequently as possible. Okay, so we're driving on the Autobahn in Germany. It's me and Pastor Paul Neville. Hello. Talking about wind, build, send. So right now we're doing 135 kilometers an hour. So let's talk about Germany. Um, Vanessa and I came in. We started doing the process. It took us two months to find an apartment. And then we got into the immigration process. And we still don't even have an interview. Paul and Shauna come in and got a place in how long? Well, we found the place in, uh, in a few weeks, but we couldn't move in before. Uh, it took us a month and a half before we could move in. And then how long did your immigration process take? Um, well, I went in um, uh, to the office and I got the, the paperwork um, that they wanted. And when I came back with the paperwork filled out and stuff, it took 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes. So, okay. <laughs> So we've, we've kind of have, we, we have different experiences both coming into Germany. Um, Vanessa and I, we, we went into Frankfurt. It's a 51.9% non-German. That means that uh, 50, over 50% of the people there hold a non-German passport. In Malbron, uh, what's, what's that like? It, well, um, they're the only people that are not German in Malbron are, I think, us and uh, some refugee families. How many families? Mm, all together, there's there maybe there's like um, there's like ten to fifteen families still in Mulbron that are um, that are actually living there that are uh, from Syria and Iraq and those places. And then next door uh, to the building that we're um, using for services, there's fourteen refugee boys that are living there from uh, Afghanistan and from uh, from Africa. Paul, I think a lot of people don't realize that you actually grew up in the Philippines. Yes. So, I think it was a few other countries as well that you lived in, right? Yeah, we moved to the Philippines um, when I was when I was nine, and then um, when I was eighteen, we moved to Singapore, and then um, we moved to um, uh, we moved to a branch of Cucamonga when I was. Um, when I was like 22. So how did that feel like with uh, as far as uh, coming to the States having like your um, culture shaped in the Philippines? Did it feel very different or did it feel similar? Well I mean we um, we came we were in the we were in America and we were in you know California every year we were at the conference you know every summer we were there and um, uh, I mean so you're still uh, you're still American but there are there's still things um that are forever that are changed by living somewhere like that. You know, I have I have um, American friends that I grew up with in the Philippines as well as Filipino friends, and um, it's it's one of the things that keeps us um, uh, that were that uh, grew up there that keeps us still friends all these years later is because there there's just something that's different about you that um, the only people that really get it are the ones that the other ones that grew up there. There's a book I, I, I uh, kind of scanned or I haven't read it all the way through yet. It's called Third Culture Kid. 
Okay. You ever heard of a, any term like that? Yeah, I have. Okay, so do you feel like that applies to you? Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely applies um, growing up like that uh, because you look at things different. When you go back to America, you don't completely fit in because you're different, but yet you never completely fit in in that, in that other culture either because no matter, no matter how you identify with it, you are still, uh, you're still a foreigner. Yeah, and an American foreigner, which right. is different. So, yeah, the, the question I, like, I think that falls into place in that place is how does that affect you in, like, we, this, this podcast is really about um, wind build sand, the idea of evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication, wh whether that would be um, church planting or, or extending of ministries or multiplying ministries. Um, how does that, in effect, come into place as you're doing that stuff? Well, I think one thing that it, it helps, because it helps you see um, the things that are... Um, like American as opposed to the things that that we're trying to bring in that's um, like from a say a, a culture of the from the Bible as opposed to the things that are just coming from America yeah yeah that's true because which okay let's, let's identify some of those American church things what would be one that you would say like that's American church stuff um, I, I would say even just a, a, a way of preaching definitely American or like like know, a style or like if you if you visited for instance the, the churches that we're from um, in, the, in the states if you visited like 20 praise chapels and um, you're gonna find that they that they preach a certain way compared to if you went say to Rick Warren's church mm -hmm. preaches mm -hmm. totally different mm -hmm. and so that may not be an American thing but it's definitely something that's from that's from praise chapel that if um, if you if you preach um, if you preach different, you stand out. Yeah, it's it's a, it's something from the culture. So you identify that that's not something that came out of the Bible. That's just something that comes out of our out of our culture. Yeah. So that part doesn't matter so much. It's not trying to bring the culture over here. We're trying to bring the things that that we learn from uh, from trying. Uh, we're always trying to be like the the church was in the Book of Acts. Yeah, I think that is personally that's my intention and like plan in any city any place that we're doing it like to represent what the book of acts mm -hmm. uh, kind of brought about but i think in, in some ends too there's also the idea of um <laughs> america and um i don't want to say there's a capitalist like mindset but there's a way of like viewing even money in the church mm -hmm. how would you say that that is different from the usa versus somewhere like the philippines um for us it was the it was the same um because um you know, even even um, the churches that I grew up in in, in America, um, you know, we the same things that we did there is the same things that we did in the Philippines. It's the same things we did in Singapore, and when we came back to Cucamonga, it was the same things that we did in America again. Um, and so, you know, preaching on on all kinds of things to for us to be, you know, more like uh, more like Christ and following the, the biblical pattern giving is something that's that's very important yeah, yeah. Um, and it's something that I've noticed here in Germany um, that is not talked about enough really yeah and I think that um, you know there, there's a lot of things probably at play but I think one of the things that uh, that is um, part of that is how um, because the the church and germ and the government have been so close you know over the centuries here that um, in Germany you have um, if you're a member of the church, if you're officially a member, for instance, of the of the Protestant Church here in Germany, um, 
your um, your giving is automatically taken out of your paycheck, like um, like your taxes and yeah. social security and stuff. Yeah, for those that that are like just like trying to understand what we're talking about in Germany, when you register in a city, they ask you um, what religion are you. If you say Christian, they ask you Catholic or Protestant, and when you put one of those down automatically from any check you're getting from your employer the the government withdraws a percentage for those churches so in a sense it's a state financed church which is unheard of in the USA what what i've noticed here in germany that i've seen is uh, <laughs> uh one one person said uh, i forgot the way the quote goes and i'm going to butcher it right now but it says something along the lines of do something with the pastors the congregation's goal is to keep the pastor poor. Definitely. That's <laughs> definitely true. Yeah, I see that evident in, in Germany way more so than in the USA. I mean, every pastor I've met here, none of them, none of them have the nicest clothes or drive the nicest car. I was talking with a young pastor yesterday, and he told me, like, the, sharing the stories of the worst experiences in his life where he almost died... Um, in the, the Ukraine, we went over to do a conference and stuff, and um, as he's telling the story about how he almost died and how he, um, uh, you know, uh, he, how he, everything that it cost him over there, the church goes into applause um, like they're like he's a hero because of um, of, uh, of how he almost died because he didn't have any money or anything to do the things that he was doing, and that's their their idea here is that you're supposed to as a preacher you're supposed to give up everything for the gospel you're not supposed to have anything you know your reward is that um that, that uh that you get to teach people and you get to be a pastor <laughs> so um being poor is part of the job uh you can't talk to my my grandpa or my uncle anymore but you can talk to my dad but that's how it was when they were growing up in oklahoma and arkansas and those places it was exactly the same way people nobody gave anything good to the pastor people brought like their old clothes and stuff to give to the pastor like for their kids to wear um you know they gave their their old stuff they didn't give um uh finances or anything the pastors didn't have anything they had cars that could barely run and stuff yeah it was, it, yeah that same attitude back then that they they wanted to keep the pastors poor yeah i think one one guy was talking to me about there was an american who came to germany started a church it, it was a successful ministry uh, I think the church had over 500 members or something like that. So this pastor um, started basically buying a nice car or even like wearing nice clothes. And the government, in a sense, responded and started like investigating him. This <laughs> pastor left back to the USA because of it. So their mindsets on church and ministry and pastors is very different than the USA. Um, I would say, though, I think the health of the pastors and the way that they view their service is, I don't want to say beneficial, but it's like, in a way, it's healthy to see these guys living in a way where they're just like, like, we don't, we don't have anything. We're not trying to get anything. Because you do see the, the other side of that in the USA. Right. Where they're really trying to um, say that in the Bible, it says to buy a Bentley for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. There are people that say that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think it's, it's just really an interesting contrast. Um, what about, so you guys, okay, so you and Shauna, the kids, the, um, Courtney and Jed are here, Sadie's back in the States. Um, how has the transition been for you guys overall? Like, 
Um, well, as far as us um, uh, transitioning personally and getting moved in and settled and everything, there really, there really has been no transition. Um, and that's, you know, that the, it's just because it just it's like another it's like another place because even when we're in America, remember we're not that's not that's not home any more than, than where we are in Malbron right now. Ah, true. Okay, because that goes back to the, the back background the of growing up in the Philippines. Yeah, so now, it's, a, it's, a, it's coming over here, for instance, for my son, is a, is a huge transition at 16 years old yeah. because he's not a third culture person. He is not just American, but he's from the IE. If he had a tattoo right now, he would probably have an IE on his back. <laughs> Maybe a 909 you know, next to it or something. Inland you know? Empire across his stomach, huh? Right. That would be that would be Jed, you know. And so uh, he's um, he is definitely from that that culture there in Cucamonga in, uh, in the Inland Empire. And so this is a big um, transition, big Jed, transition and, for him. Yeah, and Jed's a great. For those that don't know him, Jed's a great young dude. Um, he's he's uh, good at um, you know um, just a lot of different stuff. He's got some creative abilities, and uh, he's come in a way of like. It's, it's his parents moving, so it's not... I don't know if he had a choice, but I think... No, um, yeah. <laughs> but I think he's done overall pretty well. I think any uh, missionally-minded family, any church planter, anybody who wants to move uh, as a... As, you know, they feel like it's a call of God, the will of, the will of God, to move into another place and start a ministry, that has to be taken to an account, correct? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and I think... I met a church planter here in Frankfurt. He's a, a Korean pastor, and his wife is from Korea, but he was born here in, in Frankfurt, Germany. And so for him, it's kind of home. But his wife, it's still a little bit different, but they're, they're adjusted, they've been living here. One of the things that he kind of um, said to me that was really like, I thought really good, he says they've really taken into consideration way more the family now, because his kids are about 12, uh, 14, that age where they have a voice, they have concerns, and so they're taking, they've taken into these, uh, th their concerns and considered them now, and so I think that's healthy, and I don't know if you would, uh, like, maybe elaborate on that. Um, yeah, it is healthy. Um, so when, when, um, when we first went international when I was, when I was nine, we went to the Philippines, um, that was, um, uh, you know, that was really the, um, the third time that my dad was pioneering was the fourth place that he was that he was pastoring, and so you know, having done um, the two churches in two completely different um, parts of the country, you know, going to the Philippines, he was uh, he was doing the same things that he had just that he had just done um, pioneering those other two churches. Yeah. And so when we went, we were moving somewhere new. But it was um, the the thing that was consistent was our was our family, and so I know the things going to the Philippines then was definitely a lot harder than on um, on my parents than it was on us. You know, there for us at nine and my sister was like um, she just finished kindergarten, she was in first grade, and um, the transition was not nearly as much for us as it was for as it was for them. We were going to school, and yeah. uh, we had our family, we had church. You know, the part that was different is that, you know, we would go to uh, an outreach and there'd be like 50 kids standing around us wanting to touch us because they never actually saw a white person before. <laughs> in some poor squatters area, you 
You know what? I actually have a memory similar to that. Um, I went when my parents were, um, uh, they were they were pioneering a ministry in, in the Dominican Republic. Okay. And I remember I have a memory of being with my dad, him, him carrying me, and all these like dark people, like black people, coming out of like their houses and coming up and touching me. And I remember asking my dad about that. And what my dad told me was that because they had never seen someone so light-skinned. Right. So I'm not, I'm not like white in the sense of like a white guy, but I have light skin. And so like in the Dominican Republic, they, we were in these like villages and they would come out and like want to touch my skin. So those are interesting points that I think like considering that you're, if you're feeling like the call of God, you have to think about like this also affects my family. Yes. And what are some of the ways that we can, um, in a way, I guess the main thing we we should do is give voice to our family. So how would you share with somebody, like, give a voice? Like, how would you, like, say, like, how do you listen to that? Um, well, you know, um, growing up, there was never really much of a choice at all on, um, on, on um, what we wanted to do. Yeah. It didn't matter what we wanted to do. You know, we all our lives uh, we were told that we were going to be that we were going to be preachers, and so even though we might have um, we might have tried to do some other things for a while, there's still um, something that you know from my that I heard forever from my my uh, my grandparents and my aunt and uncle and my parents that um, you know it's like the the verse of Proverbs where it says that you know the the, the we can have all kinds of plans in our heart, but God is the one that directs our steps. Correct, yeah. And so, you know, we can have all kinds of plans growing up, but in the end, you know, we listen to our, our we can listen to our kids and um, with the plans that they have and what they want to do with their life, um, but in the end, that's not their choice and their decision to make. Okay. Because it's something that's directed, it's, it's something that's directed by God, what they're going to, what they're going to do with their life. And as parents, we have to remember that even more than, um, than I think more than giving a, a voice or, um, you know, to what they're wanting to do, it's, it's the thing that's more important is speaking into their lives what, um, what God would want them to do. So that as they get older, they already are getting by and having the understanding that it's not really, their life's not about what they want to do. It's about what, what God wants to do. So, so then lining up with the yeah. So then God. you're on the side of like saying like uh, in a way like my, my house, my rules. Like guys, if you're with me, we're gonna do what I feel God's saying. Uh, but that I would change even go a little bit farther. The second thing you said that what we're after is not my house, my rules, but my house, God's rules. Okay. And so we want our, our kids to know that um, that we're not doing things because um, because this is what we want to do or because this is gonna be easy. That what we're doing is we are we're following um, what we what we believe is the, the path that God's putting in front of us. Right, the leading of the Holy Spirit and teaching them that that's yeah. what the that's the direction of life that, that matters is that we follow what what, uh, what God, where God is leading. And that's interesting because I think like uh, in talking with with my Korean pastor friend, uh, he had some valid thoughts, man. And I really was like, dude, he, I've never heard some of the stuff he he's saying because like I was raised like in that way of my house like you said God's rules um, and we were just kind of like this is what we do and so um, I'm, I'm really open to the conversation of it because I think 
a lot of times the number one thing that I think is identifying and moving forward is being confident and knowing that it is the call of God right. to move your family. Because I think I think that's where the biggest mistake can happen. Where if you do it and you're not sure, <coughs> or it's just not something that um, it wasn't God, I think your family pays for it. Yeah, right? Yeah, they do. And they so, do have to know you're, you're hearing from God. Yeah. What are, What are some of the ways that you feel like um, this is how I I pray, I hear from God, and this is how I get confirmation? Well, um, when we came here, for instance, um, a good example is um, uh, when uh, when I brought Shauna over here for uh, for a week. For um, I brought her over here for a week in November, and um, she had been praying um, that God would give her, give her a divine uh, encounter. She wanted. She was basically putting a fleece out like like Gideon. She was uh, she was asking God for a sign. That, um, that God, um, you know, was going to use her here in Germany, and so um, we were here. My dad and, and John McGovern were here, and we had been over in, in Munich. We were looking at some of the big cities, and my heart kept going back to Malbron and some of the some of the people here. And so we, we drove over to Malbron, and we went for a walk with my dad in the morning, and it was overcast. Um, it looked like it could start raining any minute. We were about to go in a coffee shop. But, and uh, we stepped in, but then we decided to keep walking some more um, so that if it rained, we'd be inside the coffee shop and, um, and we wouldn't miss out on the walking time. So we came back, we got coffee and some pastries. We're sitting there, we're talking, we're praying. And um, as we get up to leave, um, there was nobody in the whole coffee shop. But while we were sitting there, a lady came in and sat at another table. And when we were leaving, um, she, um, she, uh, she grabbed me and she pointed at Shauna and she wanted Shauna to pray for her. She didn't speak any English, and um, none of us spoke any German at all. And so I, just, I told Sean, I said, hey, this woman wants you to pray for her. And so um, we, we thought that, um, that you know, because my dad and John were doing these, uh, these special meetings in town, everybody knew that there were some Americans there, and they knew who they were. And so um, uh, we, Sean has prayed for this lady, and I get the address um, for, the, for the, the church, and I write it down. And another lady come in at that time and spoke some English and I had her invite the lady to the service and uh, the lady we prayed for didn't drive, she didn't have a car and she was she said maybe her son could take her. Well, um, before we got to the service that night uh, someone was um, someone was texting us and told, t- telling us that that lady was there, they showed up. They already they, people already freaked out when we told them the story they said that nobody does that in Germany nobody asks a stranger yeah. to pray for them <laughs> in Germany. Yeah. And especially even in a, in a little town like this, nobody does that. And then when she gets there, they couldn't believe she showed up at the service. And afterwards, prayed for her, and then talking to her, um, found out that she was at the end of her rope. Uh, she was, um, uh, she didn't know what, to, she was like ready to give up on, on a bunch of things in her life. And as she's praying, God tells her to go to that coffee shop and have somebody pray for her. Wow. So she goes to the coffee shop. She's believing. She said Jesus tells her to go to the coffee shop. She goes to the coffee shop. There's nobody there but these Americans. And so how can she ask these Americans to pray for her? She doesn't know who they are. And so she did it anyway. And uh, there was a, a confirmation for Shauna that that's, that's the, ex- the exact thing that she was asking for. She thought it would happen in a big city. And it happens in this little town of 6,500 people. Yeah. And her son brought her that night. I talked with her son. And... Um, 
her son was um, was working at a, a international Christian fellowship in the in the big city near us. But talking to him, it's like like immediately he's one of those people that you're like, this is somebody that that um, that, uh, that we'd like to hook up with. Yeah. This is the kind of person to I me. Mean, when you talk to him, you're just like, this is a great guy. And when we came back um, in March, um, I, he, he brought his mom again, and I met him, and he wasn't going um, to ICF. He was looking for a church, and um, he brought his fiance. We had them over to our house and, um, you know, and shared with them the vision of what we wanted to do, and they locked in from the, from the very beginning. Okay. They got married a month ago, and um, uh, they're, um, they're just 100%. They, they plan to come to the conference next year with us. So, in California. So you had you had this moment of like confirmation that was uh, that Shauna was praying for. Yes. Your wife was praying for. Now, where were you at with before this? Were you like in a sense like saying like I feel it's the Lord to say Germany, go to Germany? Yeah, back in um, September. September 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. yeah. Back in April of 2016, um, even before April, we when when, when Praise Chapel started doing things here in Germany, we already. Um, each of us had, from the Holy Spirit had, had, um, had felt God was telling us that the things that we wanted to get done in Cucamonga, we needed to hurry up and do them because our time was short there and the church in Rancho. So the things that we wanted to do, so I lined up the um, preachers and things for the stuff that I really felt that God still wanted to break through while we were there um, and that and started lining them up. And this is at the beginning of 2016. Yeah. We actually started feeling that before. We didn't have much, we didn't really have any in, Real direction. I started looking for jobs around the country to see if something door might open to move somewhere. Um, and in February, I took a trip to. Um, oh, you're saying to, the states that you were looking for yes. jobs around in the states, right? Yeah. And I, um, I took a trip to um, Spain and um, and Wales, not Wales, but um, in, uh, in England, in um, at the beginning in February of 2016. And I and um, and we were thinking of uh, taking the the church in in Woking. Because the, and the whole reason we were thinking of taking that church is because um, the, the church had a house, so we knew it wouldn't take much support for us to be there, and it, would, it was going to position us um, close to uh, be able to support and be involved with the ministry that's happening here in, and that was getting started here in Germany. Yeah. This is back in February 2016. Then in April of 2016, we're at the Harvesters in, um, in Ontario, and um, uh, we were there, and... Um, Um, when my dad preached on, on Friday, you know, we told him that we would, um, that we're ready to go um, anywhere. But he, that's that he kind of looks at us that way anyway. That we're all we're ready to go anywhere. And yeah. so there wasn't um, that wasn't like something that was um, uh, that was that was new for him. Um, and so as we're um, as we're praying about things, this is at our um, this is at their conference. I think is in April. So we we come home that night, and on the next day, Shauna announces to the whole family that we're moving to we're going to move to Germany. She said, "I don't know when, but we're going to Germany." And um, at this point, there wasn't even any talk about anybody going to Germany. It was just um, working with uh, they were going to work just work with ministries and stuff here. And um, and so we had the um, things kept on kept on going, and then so we were even more seriously looking at that. And, going to England because of how close we would be to Germany and then um, that that just God um, God just pulled that out right out from under us because the um, the 
couple that's there, they were they were talking about um, leaving in September, and they ended up leaving in like the end of April. So that opportunity was gone. Okay. Um, and then uh, after the after the conference, um, it was when um, uh, we, there was um, there was actually I think a, it, it it was an email that you got after the conference, the one from um, Andreas Pullman. Yeah. That email about uh, where he was asking you like to you know consider coming to the, the city that he lives in, and um, when um, when that email came in, um, it's um, it helped it helped uh, my dad to see some of the stuff that we had uh, the opportunity here in um, in Germany. Um, there was even there was more um, than of the of the people that we'd already met wanting. Um, Wanting help and wanting um, to start to, get connected. to start churches and yeah. stuff like that. So um, at that point, my dad um, uh, let me come over to um, uh, to come on a trip over here. I came in September, and um, uh, the second night I was here, I, I sent Shauna a message. I told her we have to, you know, I told her we have to move to Germany. And you know, while I was here, every town I went to, people that were um, like leaders were asking me to move here to Germany and to start something here in Germany. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's crazy. You're, you're talking about even like in this little town we're at, you know, it's like, you know, who's going to ask somebody to move from where they're at and come here to help them. Yeah. But as where every, not, wasn't just in Malbron. It was in, it was in Malbron. It was in Reutlingen. It was in uh, Lerach. Everywhere. Um, people are, are saying you know to you know the, to come over here and help them and i keep hearing that uh, everywhere we went and it's just uh in my brain it's like echoing from the, the book of acts when with that dream that um that, that paul had when he was with silas and they were trying to figure out where to go yeah nicole and everywhere they went the holy spirit Macedonia. was stopping them and then they had that dream with the person from macedonia saying come over here and help us yeah that's so interesting man. so when i, I told her the second that we were here, I said we have to we have to come to Germany, and um, and so that's when we started the we started. But she hadn't even been over here yet. So then, um, as far as the the confirmation, the the excitement, and the conversations you've had, the seeing the movement, what about confirmation from like leadership? Like obviously your, your dad uh, is uh, Pastor Larry Neville, and he's your also also your acting pastor, correct? Right. right. So then. So the confirmation from your dad, was there anybody else that you actually like go to and say like, hey man, this is what we're thinking. Would you pray with us and, and think, you know, help us uh, get this, you know, planned out or see if it is God or? Um, there wasn't, um, a, there wasn't really um, for, um, for here. And um, other decisions I've made, there's been a lot of people that I, that I talked to and there was stuff that I had been, like, feeling uh, maybe for a long time or something. Um, I mean, even the, uh, you know, the decision to, um, uh, for instance, when the decision to, um, uh, to um, back in 2005 when, uh, when my wife and I were, um, uh, when we were, uh, like, managing uh, Global Harvest, when, when, when the missions were still called Global Harvest, that was uh, that was a tougher decision than um, the decision to come here to Germany. But, but wait, let's. And let's, so I talked to a lot of different leaders, people personally, spent a lot of time talking with them before I made that move. Let's let's clarify because I think still there's some confusion in Praise Chapel. 
Global Harvest is no longer the name of the mission's arm of Praise Chapel. Correct. It is Praise Chapel Missions. Right, so if you send a check to Global Harvest, it's impossible (laughs) for it to be capped. So we just want to take that time and point that out. Yes. But with with that decision, you had a lot more um, uh, leadership confirming and this and that. But so so Germany was more like, more or less, you you just kind of guys, you felt confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And then then the movement happened. So um, now that you're here... And like we, t- we were talking about wind build sand, uh, um, evangelism, discipleship, multiplication, all the things that, that follow through that. Um, one of the areas that I, I think sometimes is overlooked is how plans change. So for one, uh, did you have a plan coming in? And then second, the second follow-up question would be, how did that change or did it change? Um. The only thing that's, um, the, the only change I think would be if, uh, the time frame and stuff has taken longer than uh, than, uh, than we planned on it taking. I mean, the first German word I learned over here was geduld, which means um, patience. You know, <laughs> when we were looking for houses to be, where the house that we found was, the, it was everything Shauna had been praying for, every, every single thing that was on her list. I mean, even, uh, I mean, we're on our way there right now. You'll see when we get there, even the, the sink in the kitchen is the sink that she's been wanting for like the last 10 years in America. It's the same sink. I mean, the whole kitchen came from Ikea that's in that house. And um, everything is is um, is on the list that she asked for in her prayers. And um, uh, But we weren't sure that was the house because it wasn't available until the beginning of May. That was like two months after we after we moved here. So um, it's been uh, it's been patience uh, has been um, has been uh, the big um the big thing but we're still you know the what the plan that we had when we came over here was to um to start an international service mm-hmm. um with uh, the group that that um that that's here in in Malbron to, to start a service with that fellowship um so that um, they can see the things that we're talking about they can hear the things that we're talking about and um that we can do things that um uh, that you wouldn't be able to do in their more traditional structure, right? By us having the opportunity to um, uh, to do something new that's separate and and still a part of them, which is a big deal in these in these small towns, people are really really wary of cults. Even people that don't go to church much, they're still members because they pay their church tax and they are you know they go on Christmas and Easter, and um, to them they're really wary of, of cults that come in. And so they don't have they don't have a, a concept of the church like we do. Mm-hmm. When you say the church to them, they automatically think of the the Protestant church in town. That's the church. Just like you go out in Mexico, you talk about the church. Well, it's the Catholic church down the street. Everybody yeah. knows what the yeah. church is. And so here, when you start to tell them that you're that you're not part of the church, then they automatically, whether they ever go to church or not, they start looking at you. Okay, but I thought you said you were Christian, so. Does that mean you're like, are you like Mormon or, or JW, you know, that you say you're Christian, but you're not really part of the church? They don't understand. And so the group that we're with, uh, um, this fellowship, they are um, still, um, they're still connected to um, the Protestant church. Right. So they do have autonomy and they have freedom to do pretty much anything they want that, 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 um, uh, that, doesn't, um, that doesn't go contrary to... You know, like the teaching of the church and the the real um, 
the real thing is, even though we don't like all of the practices of the old traditional churches, you know, there's 90% of what they teach there. We don't have any, any kind of problem with at all. Right. Right. And so they're still connected with that. So the people in the church, they're still members of the Protestant church, even though they're hungry for, um, for more to happen. And it's in that, in that fellowship that we come the service, like our, our, the flyers, um, say, um, that it's this is a pro this international service is a project of the the South German Fellowship and Praise Chapel Missions, and so when people see that they they this is not they know this isn't like a cult because yeah, it's, it's part it's of own. the fellowship. Yeah, it's it's still they, they recognize this fellowship as being as being Christian, and so it helps to open doors in these in these small um, small towns. And we're praying in this fellowship. There's a hundred and fifty of of these um, of these congregations throughout southern Germany, and uh, the, the president of the fellowship there is really is really praying and hoping that um, that what we um, what we bring in, into this starting this international service is going to be something that that ignites a fire that spreads throughout their fellowship. So the, so in a sense the plans didn't change, but the timeline did. Timeline changed. Okay, and then on top of it, let me. Uh, this was also the 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 church that. Um, there was a young girl that went to Adam Friedrich's church, yep. uh, Pastor Carl and Adam, uh, Pastor Praise Chapel Orange County, and this young girl, um, Sophie, Sophie, went to Orange County, and that was the connection for this city, correct? Yeah, she went. She was an exchange student. Okay. Her parents wanted, were trying to send her to um, Reno, Nevada to be an exchange student, and none of it was working out, and so they, they gave up, and they used the... Um, uh, the organization that they knew, that another organization, and she ends up at Praise Chapel, Orange County, for a year. And so when when um, John McGovern made his first trip over here, he didn't know anybody in Germany, so he sent an email out to everybody asking for any contacts and stuff they had in Germany. And um, the people that we're working the closest with are these people that the, the fact that we even have a relationship with them was something that. God completely did that we were not involved in at all. Yeah. God sent her to Orange County. You know, we we didn't. It wasn't somebody we looked up coming over here. There was just an open door to stay with her family because of that that connection to the church that God did. Yeah. And um, the other people, the church in Rottweil that we um, that we have a, a great relationship with that we're working together. One of the leaders in that church was going to school in Malaysia, and during one of the school breaks, he goes to Hong Kong and walks into Calvary Church, and um, that's, a, that's a John Malcolm. John Malcolm, yeah. and so then there's another connection when um, when we came here to Germany that that God did on His own that wasn't us pursuing anybody. And so this church, uh, Sophie's family, is part of this church yes. that you're working with directly. Yeah. So that's an awesome connection. And so that, that's where we can really see, I guess, the Holy Spirit confirming a lot of different elements of yeah. it. Um, yeah, man. All right. Uh, what else? you want to say anything else or mention anything else? Um, well, I mean, we, we love everything here in, in Germany. Um, everything that Germany is great. The people are, are amazing. Every single thing that we read or that we were told... Um, prior to arriving in Germany was false. Yeah. <laughs> um, even books that I read that were like recent books from like written in the last 10 years were still false about um, what Germany's like and how they feel about Americans, you know. Um, all the, everything's completely, even every book that I've read, even books that were written in the last two years 
about Europe and about um, uh, the kingdom of God and about, um, you know, like you hear a lot of things about Europe being post-Christian and all of this stuff. Um, Germany has proven to be more Christian than America. America is much more post-Christian in California than um, any place we've been in, in Germany. And, um, uh, you know, and they, they, you read in, in books, they say that nobody in Germany jaywalks. Don't jaywalk. And um, everybody in Germany jaywalks. If yeah. you're in the city or if you're in a little village, it doesn't make any difference. You can say hi to strangers on the street, and they'll smile, and they'll, they'll say hi back. You know, they say you don't talk to strangers on the street. Don't say hello. People mind their own business. We found um, nothing that we learned before coming here to be true. And what about, uh, to touch briefly on, because uh, I think that's a whole separate uh, conversation, uh, but the, the, the influx of refugees into Germany. Yes. Uh, from the time you've been here, what have you seen as far as like the effects of it? Well, uh, the, the refugees that got settled into um, uh, small villages like Malbron are much better off than the refugees that ended up in these um, uh, in these camps in the big cities. Because uh, the cities still have these huge camps. Um, most of the villages don't have camps anymore because the villages all got together and they didn't like having that camp there and they found housing for everybody. Right, so they got them all into apartments. And right. And so like the, the refugee camp that was in Mulbron last summer when, um, when Heartreach was here, for instance, it was gone by September when I got here. Yeah. They, they, everybody came together. People in town, actually, there's people that bought houses so that the refugees could live there. Wow. I mean, they knew that the refugees had income, but some people didn't want to rent to refugees. And so there were people that, that I know in town that actually bought houses for families to move into. And, and one of the, um, would you think one of the goals would be 100% like integration? Or do you think it was just because of the Christian heart? It was the Christian response to these people in need. That's what it okay, was. Okay, that's least awesome. In, in Mal, and the towns like Malbron, it was the Christian response. That's awesome. So it wasn't in a way like to say, like, uh, you got to become part of Germany. It was more so just like, hey, man, this is what Jesus would be doing. And they are going out of their way to help them be part of Germany. Yeah, in all yeah. these town, In all these little towns, um, the churches and things are helping the, the, the refugees to learn, uh, to learn German and things like that you know I, I wish there was a lot more evangelism going on um, other than just some of the they're doing a lot of good things you know but it, it just like um, it tends to be that way in so much of the social justice stuff that they spend so much time on the justice and they never talk about the gospel yeah they, they end up leaving out the most important part that's yeah amen so that. but that's um, <laughs> uh, you know what we've um, uh, we've had you know different issues with um with coming in our focus has been mostly on these young boys next door these 14 boys and um uh they're with the language barriers and things like that but um they are open to the gospel and um we're continuing to pray that that um from uh, from day to day that we have um more and more impact and as they spend more time around us and they know that we're here and that we're staying here that they have more they're more comfortable and are able to open up to us more yeah all right, we'll stop it right there. Thanks, Paul. Okay, see you later. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe.